just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. What's happening, guys? It's time for another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your favourite chicter, Ian Dawson McKay. Next Level Guy is a go-to men's interview, interest and improvement website where I quiz the experts to find out the hacks, tips, methods and protocols that you can implement in your own life to take it to the next level and live happier, healthier, wealthier, sexier and so much more. Today's guest is JT Marinak. Jay became addicted to drugs and alcohol at a young age, and by the time he's 20 years old, his life had spiralled out of control, and he had hit rock bottom in the November of 2005. He finally reached out for the help and support he needed, and got sober and healthy. Jay spent his time keeping fit and participating in martial arts, crossfit, and endurance events, to name but a few activities, and he finally got the sobriety he deserved. Fitness helped to keep him busy and do something positive, as he worked towards overcoming his addictions and his demons. If that wasn't enough, in 2013, at the age of 28, Jay was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. He now faces another big obstacle on his path, but that doesn't let him stop him from crushing every obstacle he faces. Jay has over 12 years experience of training clients and helping them change their lives. He finds true purpose in helping others to achieve their goals and be better people. In this interview, we discuss Jay's journey, his addiction and how he overcame his demons, how you can change your own story regardless of your starting point, the red flags to watch out for in your own life or for somebody you care for, the methods to stay sober and how you can transform from being addicted to being awesome. Please note this was recorded some time ago when I was using another mic so the quality isn't great. There was a couple of times the audio dropped out where I had to join them together and some bits are cut out. This happens only twice or three times so please note there it will be a bit of weird audio levels at some points. Apologise for that, there's not much more I can do. This is a great interview. Jay gives a lot of great insight and really goes deep into a lot of things and I had to share it with you. So apologies to Jay for the delay in getting this out and apologies for the somewhat dodgy audio on places, but it's still okay to listen. I hope it doesn't take away from the quality of the interview and that you can get past it. Um, now, let's get to the interview. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to this, Jay. Um, I've been a big fan of yours for a while now, but there will be some people in my audience who are maybe not quite sure who you are. Um we're getting a lot of guys who are coming in who are interested in making life transformations, and I thought your story was awesome. Could you just give a quick intro to people, you know, and just explain why you're so well known and the amazing transformation you made? Sure. Yeah, Ian. Uh, listen, man, I appreciate you having me on today, and it's it's always a great opportunity to you know connect with someone and you know tell my story uh, and get get my story out there and hopefully help somebody help somebody out there who maybe is, is lacking the motivation or just maybe needs a little inspiration. So, uh, yeah, man, I, um, I'm Jay Marinak and I'm from, uh, New York. So I'm an hour North of New York city. And, you know, as a young kid, I got into a lot of trouble early on in my life. And very early on, I found drugs and alcohol and, you know, long story short, you know, they eventually, you know, became the most important thing in my life. By the time I was 15 years old, I was a full-blown drug addict and alcoholic. And, you know, from the age of 15 to 20 and a half, 
Uh, I just lived a pretty crazy life and you know, had a lot of really, you know, near death experiences and, you know, selling drugs. And, you know, I quit. Uh, I was a little bit of an athlete growing up as a kid and you know, I quit all sports. I quit everything that I was good at just to pursue the life of partying and just getting messed up. And by the time I was 20, my, my life had completely spiraled out of control and I was completely unemployable. Um, you know, I was living out of my car, living from couch to couch, uh, just like in a constant blackout 24 seven. And, and I found myself in a place of complete desperation where I was like, man, how did this happen to me? And, and I just felt like in my gut that I was going to die. And I felt that every day for the last two and a half months of my, my use and drinking and drugging. And fortunately for me, I was able to have a moment of clarity where I just, I was so beaten down. I felt so miserable inside that I was willing to get help. And I reached out for help and was fortunate enough to get into a rehab when I was 20, like I said. And my life truly began there. Uh, from there, I you know, got into a 12-step program and began my journey in sobriety. And you know, early on, I got into fitness. So I started you know, going to Planet Fitness and taking some martial arts and, you know, and that just, that just kind of evolved as time went on. I got, I got hooked on fitness and that became my new addiction and I just kept going with it and I became a personal trainer and, you know, things were going really well and I was sober a while. And then I uh, was unfortunately diagnosed with type one diabetes and my life definitely changed for the foreseeable future. And, you know, I had to, you know, kind of regroup and, and learn and get used to living a life with a life-threatening illness um, that was that's incurable at the moment. And, you know, I just started posting stuff on social media around that time. So this is about five, six years ago. And, you know, posting about my sobriety and about type 1 diabetes and some of the fitness stuff that I could do. And I just started gaining more following, uh, more of a following. And more people started supporting the page, and you, know, you fast forward till now, I've I've been in a, featured in Men's Health on multiple occasions, and done a ton of podcasts and a ton of video shoots for some big publications like bodybuilding.com and Men's Health, like I had mentioned. And uh, yeah, my life has has just completely taken on new meaning, and it's turned into something that I never thought was possible. You know, I started my own business about a year ago and started selling workout programs online and that's been incredibly successful and I've now devoted most of my time to to building that business and scaling that business as big as I possibly can and uh, it's been a hell of a journey it's been a hell of a journey and I'm just sitting here today out in New York it's uh, snowing out We've got some sleep going on and, you know, I've been sober uh, a little over 13 years now and I'm just truly living the dream and just truly grateful. That, I mean, it's absolutely awesome. You know, the the transformation that you've made is be was just mind blowing. I mean, can you think back to like your childhood? You know, I think you were quite into fitness when you were younger. But do you remember the sort of that first temptation? Was there a moment? Was it just a kind of a couple of drinks that spiraled into it, or did you just think? no, I like this because it made you forget about things or, you know, was there a reason that kind of got you into drinking? Was there peer pressure or, you know, if you had to put a kind of 
name to it, or was it just a bad habit that you just lost control of? Well, I always struggled as a kid. So always emotionally, I was always, you know, a lot of a lot of anger. Uh, I was a very fearful kid. I was very insecure, and you know, in hindsight, obviously, I can look back now and I can see it clearly and understand it. But at the time, I didn't, and I remember just always feeling uncomfortable in social social situations and talking to girls and you know, just like all that kind of stuff. Just like really uncomfortable. Just never felt right. Always always compared myself to other people, always wanted to be somebody else. And, you know, that, that was the fuel, you know, that really led me to a place where when I found drinking and drugging, it like solved my problem. It was like a spiritual experience where I didn't feel fearful anymore. I wasn't insecure. I could talk to girls, all these different things, all those fears went away. And so, um, yeah, I guess I'd been searching for that my whole life. I've been searching, I've been searching for relief, from myself, you know, and all those inner conflicts that I had. And it just, unfortunately, you know, this, this thing runs in my family, alcoholism and drug addiction runs in my family. So I believe I had it from, from day one and it was just a matter of time before I, I, I found it. And, you know, again, like I said, it, it just took over early on where it just became something that I wanted to do every day, all the time. Yeah, I mean it's it's quite difficult, isn't it? It's like because I'm I was like that when I was younger, where you you don't feel right in your skin, you know, you don't feel like you fit in, and it's easier to have a couple of drinks just to sort of calm your nerves and you know just be part of it. But I mean, at what point did you notice you needed like you know more, or you you took it to the extremes more than other people? Did you notice it like straight away, or I mean, have you always got quite an obsessive nature? Yeah, because like when I get into hobby, you know, I go full force into it, and that's why I kind of avoid smoking and things like that because I know I'd end up just killing myself if I went down that road. So, what would you, you know, were you just building into it slowly, or did it just spiral straight away? Yeah, I guess it kind of started slowly. I remember in elementary school, so I was probably like eight nine years old i remember stealing cigarettes from my grandmother and going up into the woods with my friends and smoking like huffing cigarettes as fast as we could till we freaking passed out and and stuff like that man i was just always from the young young age man i just was looking for that escape and so once i like really started so once i really started getting high you know it wasn't it was an innocent thing it was you know, smoking weed and, uh, you know, it was drinking. I mean, I was definitely a blackout drinker from the start, but it wasn't an everyday thing. It wasn't an everyday thing. So it was like on the weekends, we'd get high with my friends and get drunk. Uh, but as, you know, as time went on, you know, it evolved really quickly into some really serious drugs and some heavy drinking. And was there a moment when, you know, when you were doing this that, you know, you noticed it happening or was it a case of you just suddenly woke up one day and needed, you knew you needed to change? Could you see yourself slipping this way or did you think you were just having a good time? I definitely did. I didn't look at it like I was going down a bad path. I feel like I often say when, when I speak, you know, I, I didn't run with the bad crowd. I was the bad crowd. 
Like I was the bad kid. And, you know, when I got to middle school, I think that's where all the schools kind of combine all the neighboring elementary schools. I met other kids that were just as bad as me. And it just, you know, it just really, really, really took off from there. And, um, yeah, it just, it just got crazy. So was there a, a moment when you mentioned you sort of just felt mostly sort of numb to it, but were there any moments where it was a positive, you know, did you find, you know, you mentioned like a kind of spiritual awakening, but did it ever help you by taking the drugs to see things in a different way or was there any, ever any positives or was it just a case of you wanted to sort of get away from some of the feelings you had? So you just sort of numbed it with a drink and that, you know, have, cause sometimes I found I kind of got a different way of looking at something when I was drinking or to when I was sober or when I've been social, you know, it kind of, it, it let you see things in a different light did you ever find that with when you were going through that phase? Absolutely. I definitely had some amazing times and some really big spiritual awakenings when I was getting high in the beginning. So, you know, I, I experienced and, and experimented with a lot of hallucinogenics. Uh, I took a large amount of LSD and mushrooms, uh, smoked DMT. Um, so I really freaking you know traveled you know to other freaking domains you know inside my own brain and um you know through those experiences you know it really awoken me to you know some some real spirituality in my life where i was like wow man like the fact that i just went through that and survived it you know there was a lot of growth in some weird way through a lot of those experiences early on. Um, unfortunately, as time went on, that kind of stopped happening and it just became a negative. But yeah, there were, there were good times. There were good times with some good friends back in the day. Yeah. And, you know, people will say about, oh, you know, he's just on drugs for, you know, he's, he doesn't know, he's lost his marbles. Well, it's, you know, they, people, but when people sometimes use some of these things like the tribes in Peru and Colombia and that sort of thing, where they use it to, you know, like leave their spiritual, like their normal body and with the spirits. Um, I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. Um, Aubrey Marcus was talking about it, you know, where they take the, and, you find out more about yourself deep down and there's all these kind of traditions so there's definitely something into it i've never really kind of experimented it myself but so how did you break out of this cycle you know if if you were using this as a kind of a remedy a solution how was that initial few steps were they the worst things you've ever done you know because i remember reading somewhere somebody said about cold um it's better to actually go cold turkey from heroin rather than try to take the drugs to suppress it because you need that pain, the reminder of the pain never to go back to it. But how, how did you start coming off it? You know, were the cravings bad when you were trying to uh, stop your uh, drinking drugs use? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I never never got into heroin, thank God. But yeah, I mean, t towards the end, it just started getting... It just started getting so bad to the point where, you know, like I mentioned in the beginning, I couldn't go to work anymore. Like there was a there was a, a few years where I could show up like completely hungover or nodding out or falling asleep at work and 
you know, I would do drugs in the bathroom at work and all that kind of stuff. And I was able to somewhat manage my life. However, I reached a point where I couldn't do that anymore. And, you know, again, my mom had thrown me out of the house. So, I mean, my mom had thrown me out of the house so many times, but this one was, you know, really threw me out. And, you know, I started, you know, doing drugs. I said I would never do. I started smoking a lot of crack and, um, you know, I was taking a ton of acid at that time. I was taking a ton of Xanax, a ton of Percocets. I was just freaking out of control. And yeah, I even got to the point where, you know, I said I would never stick a needle in my body. And, you know, and that happened at the end. And I remember that being one of the moments where, you know, be, you know, beyond all the other things that were going on and my unmanageability, I remember that being one of the big moments of like, fuck, like I am really willing to do anything to keep getting high. Like I'm willing to everything I'd said I would never do. I'm willing to do now. And that was a big moment. of Like a lot of fear of like, fuck, man, I am fucked. And I felt like that all the time. I felt so just doomed because I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to stop. Like I knew I needed to, but I, like when you're in it, man, you just, you don't see how that's possible. You just really don't. There's, there's really feels like there's no hope. And did it kind of, because I've kind of, like, I've got a kind of obsessive personality, like I've got OCD, and so I can kind of understand it to a small extent, but when you were doing it, I mean, did, was it a case of, as things got worse and worse, you used it to hide more and more from it, or were you enjoying the sensation of it, or were you just so used to it, or, you know, was it a kind of release from the emotional pain at that time? Yeah, I mean, I guess it was still to some extent, but it really just became more something I had to do. Like I, I lost control. Like there was no, there was no choice anymore. It just becomes such a part of who I was, and then actually the actual physical, you know, attachment to it, and it just, uh, and then you accompany that with just the way I felt spiritually. Like, I really just didn't care anymore if I lived or died and just didn't care about myself. I hated myself and I always felt like I was a piece of shit and that I would amount to nothing. Like, I truly thought I would never be successful. So, you know, you just put all those things together. Yeah, it just became, there was no, there was no other choice. There wasn't a choice to not do it. It was like, I just had to keep going and I was willing to, I was willing to die, you know, going after it. Well, this is why I think I was so keen to have you on because I thought your story was really remarkable because you see these guys who come on and, you know, they've gone from a bit fat to six-pack abs or something like that. But to me, somebody who's really hated themselves and, you, you know, went down the bad road and then turned it around and made an amazing transformation and then helps other people, those are the kind of stories I really want to kind of highlight because – the stuff you're doing is amazing, you know, and to go from that point to where you are now, it's it's amazing. And I'm like so glad that you found what you needed because you're ex- inspiring so many people. But how did you start that change? You know, how did you avoid falling back into a life of temptation? You know, like friends try to call you up and spend time with you, and, you know, maybe take you down 
that kind of bad habits? Did you have to cut everybody out of your life and move away after the rehab? Or like, how, how did you set yourself up to avoid slipping up? Yeah, it was incredibly difficult at first, you know, being, you know, I still wasn't even 21 years old yet. And I remember getting out of that rehab and I remember I had, cause I, I just kind of disappeared. I had the opportunity to go to rehab and I just took it. I didn't tell anyone that I was going, I just vanished. And so when I got out, there were a ton of messages from friends like, dude, where are you? And so when I got out, you know, I was armed with a few, a few tidbits of knowledge to kind of help me on, you know, on my journey of staying sober. And one of them was, you know, you got to cut out your friends, like you kind of just mentioned. And one of the most difficult things about being sober so young is doing just that. Because at that time in my life, my friends were my life. That was what I did. I hung out with my friends all the time, man. Like that was, that was just what, what you did at, at that age. So that was incredibly difficult. When I got out of rehab, the first thing I did, I went and hung out with old friends. I remember going to somebody's house and I think they were doing a bunch of drugs. And I remember sitting there just telling them my experience about being in rehab. And it felt like they were looking at me like I had two heads. And, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a good choice. And it was tough making right choices in the beginning. So that first year of sobriety, I was going to a 12 step program. So I was doing some positive things and, and, you know, really trying to make some changes and, and get better. And at the same time, I couldn't let go of that old life. So I found myself going to going to AA meetings. And then also on weekends, hanging out with my friends, putting myself in terrible situations with lots of drugs and drinking around me. And by the grace of something out there, I just had enough, you know, desire to stay sober that I was able to get through some of those times. And as I got a little bit older um, and I had about a year and a half of sobriety, that's when I really started to realize that if I really want to have a good life here and really stay sober, that I need to cut out those friends. And so there was a, there was definitely a, a process in the beginning of, of letting go of that old life and kind of accepting this new life that I didn't know what, what that was going to look like. So it was, it was tough. It was a tough one. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I was nothing to like what you were describing, but I know that feeling where you kind of have to, you know, you have to move away or like at least step back and get away from the sort of temptations if somebody had like a kid just now, like that was like your age, because you know, for somebody your age to go through that life changing sort episode and be so sort of articulate and understanding, like emotionally understanding of it, it's such a like you're at a young age is amazing. But what would you advise somebody that's got kids who are maybe going out drinking a lot, who maybe don't feel like they fit part of the world? You know, what's the red flags that parents should be watching out for? What what should they be sort of talking to their kids or how should they be dealing with them to avoid falling out? You know, did you discover a way that you thought worked better, you know, open the communication? It's a tough question. Number one, because I'm not a parent, 
myself. So it's, mm. you know, I don't know exactly what I would do. I mean, it's, I've thought about it many times of, wow, what if I had a kid and it turned out to be me? <laughs> like that would be insane having to deal with that. So honestly, I don't know the right answer. However, you know, I think it's just important for any parent to, of course, do their best to get them the help that they need and, and to love them as much as possible and, and support them. Uh, but it's a journey, you know, even for a parent, you know, cause there's only so much you can do and a kid is going to do what he wants to do. You know, some kids might listen and get on a better path and, and be all good. And some might not. So it's, it's a tough thing. And, you know, you mentioned there that you sort of had a history in the family. I mean, I've got a history of sort of depression and stuff like that in my family. So did you find that the way your parents reacted was maybe how somebody reacted to one of maybe their problems, where th- that's how they were taught, you know, you kind of reacted to it? Because I've noticed, like, we tend to pass it on so to speak you know and it's difficult to break that habit if, if it's like something that you've been exposed to that's how we react to like x then your reaction to that is to do you know y if that makes sense you know it's like i find some people like they've never been allowed they've never had somebody there to talk to them about maybe needing to go and say antidepressants so they won't talk to their kids about going on antidepressants because it's easier to stay away from it. You know, I mean, it's it's sometimes difficult. Did you experience that at all, anybody like a member of your family? When it's an interesting question, you know, I think back to I was just actually having this talk with my mom the other the other night. I'm very close with my mom now, and you know, we were talking about how much is how much is of our of our DNA here and our and our character. How much is that? really environmental and how much is that is that just genetic and um i think for me a lot of it was genetic you know my my mom i'm sure there was some environmental my mom so my my dad wasn't in the picture a ton so it was just a single mom with two boys and she was a nurse you know worked crazy long shifts just to support us and you know we kind of struggled financially a lot of the time and you know, she wasn't, you know, she did the absolute best she could. There's no doubt about it. You know, a lot of times she wasn't around. So maybe, you know, cause she had to work to support us, you know, so maybe, you know, her not being around so much had something to do with me kind of spiraling a little quicker than, than most kids or something. I'm not, I'm not sure. And I really, I don't know. I have no, in no way blame, you know, my mom or my upbringing on, on how my life turned out because I think it would have turned out that way regardless. Cause it was just, I feel it was part of just who I was. So, um, you know, I think my mom, I think she really, you know, again, did the best she could. And I think, I think she had a hard time herself dealing with, cause my brother was also out of control and really bad, just like me. So she had two kids, you know, single mom trying to, trying to support us, you know, who were getting, suspended from school every week and freaking cops being called i mean that poor woman <laughs> really had, i really feel for her man and i i do everything i can now in my life to wow. to make her life as as good as it possibly can be because she really she really endured some some tough times and she really is a tough tough freaking woman so 
again, I don't know how much of it was was environmental or, or genetic, but um, you know, I think it's different for everybody. No, it's it's awesome that you've got a, such a strong relationship now. You know, and it's it, it's difficult into it. it's to you forget sometimes that your parents are people too. You know that they're in it, they've they're fallible. They've got their own worries, their own demons, the things they struggle with, and you know to raise two boys and to work full time is a is an amazing thing to do. I mean, was there any um? for male role models at the time would you think that would have helped you because something i found with a lot of people who've kind of gone down a bad road has been that there have been no kind of positive male role model or it's changed rapidly you know did you would you have i don't know how to say it like but was anybody there that was a good example? You know, did anybody at the time that when you wanted to make the change come in and help you, or was it all through your own kind of emotional numbness that you needed to make this change for yourself? That's actually something I have thought about over the years, and I have a hard time. I have a hard time with that one because you know I, I have no idea. I, I sometimes wonder, or I've wondered in the past, how. Yeah, how my life would have turned out if I had a strong male figure in my life, and I, I don't know. I have, I have no idea, obviously, what what my how different my life would have been if I had a a strong father figure. Um, but uh, I mean, it could it could definitely be, you know, it could definitely be a factor. You know, I definitely, you know, my mom had a boyfriend at one point in my life that was who someone who I loved a lot, and he he loved us as well, me and my brother. Uh, but that was really that was really like the only thing I've never, I've never really had too many male figures that I really looked up to, you know, and I'm sure I've got some freaking probably some pretty serious daddy issues <laughs> at this point, man. I mean, who knows? I haven't really, I've never really dove, dove into that stuff too much. I've always just kind of, it's just kind of normal for me to not have that figure in my yeah. life. So I, I don't know. I think even maybe it's kind of a positive thing. I've always, or for at least maybe the last decade, I've always been kind of a leader. I think, you know, kind of a leader. I've always taken that leadership role in, in my life. And, and, uh, you know, I think maybe that could be part of the reason why I have maybe have that quality in me is, is maybe because of that. I've kind of been forced to kind of create my own motivation and, and that kind of thing, if that makes sense. No, I mean, it, it's a great answer. I mean, and it's unfortunate. It's that there's a lot of guys growing up who don't have, you know, a positive role model. And it's a problem with society just now. Um, have you ever thought about doing, slightly talk about, have you ever thought about doing one of those kind of big brother schemes where, you know, you kind of go and work with kids who maybe don't have role models who maybe get off the, you know, the wrong path and, um, and be that kind of father figure or positive role model. Because I, I think you would do so awesome at that um, because you, you're so open, but you can explain it. And it's difficult for sometimes counselors who have never gone through the experiences to really understand where somebody's coming from. But like the likes of yourself, who you, who knows when somebody's lying, they can, you can actually see the what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, have you ever have you contemplated that, or is it? Do you think it's easier to kind of for you to keep clean to stare, step away from it? Because thirteen years is an amazing accomplishment. But is it? Do you have to keep away from it, all of that stuff 
to, to avoid opening up that wound again? Or, you know, do you think you could go and help others in this kind of, by having this kind of problem? Yeah, so I've never actually considered that. I've never thought of that specific thing of, you know, maybe helping a, you know, a, doing a big brother kind of thing. However, I've, I've, I've go for it. Because there's probably, you know, Sorry, there's probably guys sitting just now who are thinking, I'd love to get in shape, but I'm, you know, I'm always drinking and stuff like that. I mean, you could transform these guys because you could see the what they needed, you know. Yeah, no, it's um, maybe it's a maybe maybe it's a product. Yeah, you know? no, it's, it's possible. Um, you know, fortunately for me, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I, I've been in a twelve step program, you know, and I've still I still go to that program to this day. So I'm. I'm still pretty active in the sobriety community. So I've been fortunate to sponsor a lot of different guys over the years. So I've been able to, you know, uh, I guess use the term mentor uh, guys over the years who were just like me and that are trying to get healthy and get better. And yeah, you know, I've had a couple of guys have, have some great success and stay sober. And, and unfortunately this is a, a tough tough disease and i've seen a lot of guys not be able to make changes and and they've gone back out there to to life of drinking and drugging but uh it's it's imperative for me to continue to stay active in my 12-step program so that i can give back you know what was given to me like when i got sober there were people in aa that you know, stuck their or reached their hand out to me and and helped me in any way they could to to keep me sober. And having been someone who's had some success in sobriety, I've you know been able to give that same thing back to other people. And I, I find it to be my job, really, at this point. You know, it's my responsibility. I think, and and I think I owe that to to AA and just to the universe for giving me a you know a second chance, so to speak, at life. No, well, you're doing a fantastic, you know, um, sort of give back because the programs that you're creating are transforming people. You know, when I was looking at your staff, it was just a constant flood of positive and people, uh, positive messages and people saying how much they'd changed and how thankful they were that they'd found your staff and that. But when you started your change, you know, like when you started going to the gym, how did you start the initial change? You know, how did you change your diet to cope with, you know, like kind of battling your body with like the different chemicals and stuff? How did you deal with like maybe, you know, keeping that motivation to go to the gym? Because it must have been difficult enough just for people who are going to try just get fitter. But for somebody who's maybe who's been on the wrong side of smoking and stuff like that, you must have been pretty out of shape. So how did you start that? How did you keep going over that initial kind of, I sod this, I'd rather just go and, you know, not work out. Was it just that initial endomorphin hit and you just thought, oh, this is great? Or did you kind of set yourself a goal or was it a challenge that you wanted to achieve when you initially started out? I do remember being in a Planet Fitness when I was – newly sobered. I remember looking in the mirror, you know, I think I was changing my shirt off and I had literally no, no definition. I remember I was, I don't know, probably like a buck 40 at that time, something like that. And I had no abs. I had nothing. And I remember feeling like, 
man, when is this going to happen for me, man? When am I going to freaking start getting some muscle here? And, and, uh, yeah, you know, it just, I didn't have any goals. I honestly don't remember even how I ate at that time. I don't remember. I, I don't think that I got really crazy into diet. Even at that point, I was definitely, you know, a skinny guy who was able to eat whatever he wanted at that time, for sure. Still kind of like that today. And, uh, so yeah, there really weren't too many goal, too many goals. I think, uh, other than you know, just getting getting jacked, man, and just putting on muscle, and you know, ultimately feeling better about myself. You know, I think that was that was the key, man, was to start getting some some self esteem because I didn't have any at all, and you know, so that yeah, that was the beginning, man. That was the beginning of the road for me to to making some some big changes in my life. So now it's a great time to take a quick break and tell you about my affiliates. I've set up some awesome deals with some amazing companies. And if you go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates, or if you click on the affiliates deals option in the blue ribbon at the top of the website homepage, you can go straight to my affiliate wonderland. There you'll find so many special offers, listener exclusive deals and discount codes available. There really is something for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're buying for yourself, a special occasion, or for someone else in your life. You can find whatever you need here. And there's a lot of inspiring companies and interesting products that you may not have seen before. Companies include Onnit, Amazon, Me Andy's, Barbell Apparel, Dollar Shave Club, Grays, and so many more. It really covers every aspect of life. There's companies there that'll help you with dating and your sex life. There's companies that'll get you cheaper deals on sporting equipment and tactical gear and outdoor equipment. There's gadgets and gizmos that'll make every aspect of your life better and improve every f- facet of your life. If you need it, it's there. And there's even stuff there that you never knew that you wanted, but once you see it, you'll definitely want it. Simply go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates and enjoy. Please note, I do not receive any information on you or your purchases. All I receive is a small commission from the business as a thank you for sending you to shop with them. This doesn't affect the price you pay, but it helps me develop and expand the podcast. So I'm extremely thankful for you taking the time to spend your money via my links. You're helping me make this podcast better and better each week. I'm becoming a better person by doing it, by allowing me to then invest in the podcast, get better equipment and better quality guests. Just click on the graphic below if you're on the show notes or go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. Now, let's get back to the interview. So if somebody's listening who's in the exact same boat, you know, and they've maybe started moving away from their friends and they want to start to actually improve themselves and or get fitter and, you know, they start in the gym, what sort of things would you recommend for them, you know? Like, did you go straight to, like, free weights or did you just start get a personal trainer and do, like, get some of the machine stuff? Did you do a class, you know? What what advice would you give to somebody who's maybe come out, been drinking a lot, smoked a lot, and then think, no, this is my time to change. This, you know, this podcast has really inspired me. Where should they start? How can they follow in your footsteps? Well, number one, you know, you don't have to be, I think too many people and having been a trainer for over a decade now and worked with just hundreds of people, you know, too many people think they need to adopt you know, complete change in every facet of their life to even begin their journey, right? So they need to, you know, not be smoking at all, eating perfectly and freaking hitting the gym five times a week. And that's just not the case. And I believe that that needs to be smashed, that idea that it's got to be all or nothing. And 
you know, when I first started, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, when I was going to Planet Fitness, I was still smoking a pack and a half of cigarettes a day. And for the first year of my sobriety, I smoked a pack and a half a day. Uh, you know, I wasn't ready to quit, you know, but I still, you know, I still hit the gym and, you know, I started off just on machines. You know, I was at a Planet Fitness, you know, $9.99 a month, you know, hit, hit, hitting the machines and, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was doing something and that's really important. The second thing I did, I got into martial arts. Um, I, I think that was the, the biggest thing for me. Um, you know, going to the gym is great and I'm not, I'm not uh, downgrading going to the gym. But I feel that martial arts has had a little more of an impact on my life because it was something where, you know, again, there were, you know, there were classes that I was taking, you know, kickboxing classes, uh, jujitsu classes and things like that. So I was able to make make some new friends and have a little bit of a community attached to the fitness, which just made it more inviting and just easier to to stick to stick with. So um, I highly suggest. Yeah, classes are good. I highly, I highly suggest martial arts, man. I, I love, you know, I don't do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and Muay Thai kickboxing anymore, unfortunately, but I still love that stuff, man. And and I think it's so great to to get into something like that. And especially for, for kids too. You know, if I had a kid these days, man, that'd be one of the first, you know, obviously if the kid didn't want to do it, I wouldn't force him, but it would definitely be something that I would try to get one of you know, my kids into. I just feel it's just so constructive in so many ways. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. I've been doing um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu now for about a year, and oh, nice. I never, I never felt like I actually fitted in until I kind of started training. And you get like uh, your team, like the guys that you train with, become like you make amazing friends it's it's a strange one i think it's because you kind of choke each other out a lot you know and you throw each other around and it's strange to kind of have somebody sitting on top try to choke you and you know you're almost you almost can go out sometimes and you know it's like the only time you really get to tap into that masculine energy sort of thing maybe a sort of spiritual side of it because you can come out absolutely knackered and you know, you then shake hands with somebody and you have a laugh with them and you just kind of connect to each other and sometimes it's like pure friendship. Um, I mean, would you ever, do you miss it? Would you go back to martial arts? I do miss it. I do miss it. There's not really any schools up by me, so I definitely would have to travel a bit in order to make it happen. So, but hey, that, that's not an excuse. I, at this point, I can say that I just haven't made the time to do it, but yeah, I, I do. I do miss it. Um I definitely just miss the, you know, the Muay Thai and just, and the, it's kind of tough with the jiu-jitsu for me because I, I have two medical devices attached to my body now at all times. So unfortunately, if I were to do jiu-jitsu, they would probably get ripped off and it would just kind of cause me a lot of problems. So, um, um, but I mean, I'm sure if I really wanted to, I could somehow make, make it happen. But uh, yeah, I miss it. It would definitely be cool to get back into it. So... You were diagnosed with sort of diabetes. Um, did was that p- from your former life? Do you think, or my my dad's type two, and you know he controls it with tablets at the moment. But you know, was your how how did your sort of diet change? You know, when you came out of like drinking and doing drugs, and then you know, do you think you've you had it during that phase, and it was part of it, or is there a history of that in your family? 
and you know, how did you adapt your diet to getting fit and then having to deal with the sort of the diagnosis? Are you wanting to move away from that kind of and just make something, you know, make your personal training the most for it? Or are you quite proud of that transformation you've made and using it as a kind of not a not a unique selling point, but you know, is that what you kind of sell to your clients? Is that transformation? Or would you rather be known for what you're going to do now, not what you've done before? Yeah, I don't mind it at all, actually. It's it's definitely something I've been pretty comfortable with sharing for many years now. And yeah, I mean, if anything, I think it just enhances my brand for people to know, you know, what I've been through and what I've been able to achieve and kind of where it started and where I'm at now. And, um, yeah, no, I don't get sick of it. I don't get sick of it. It's actually good and healthy, I think, for me to just remind myself and to hear myself say, you know, and talk about what my life was like. It's, you know, it's not that I forget what it was like, but, you know, I've been away from, from drinking and drugging for many years, so it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to believe that I was even like that, man. Like, it's just crazy that I was able to function and live like that for so long. And um, So, yeah, again, it, it's just, it's all positive. It's all positive. And does it feel like somebody else? I've often wondered, like, because when I look back at what I was like five years ago, ten years ago, I feel like a different person. You know, I feel like pre-podcast and since I've started the podcast, I feel like two different people. You know, I, even since I started jujitsu a year ago, I feel like a different person. You know, I think we're always going through these sort of stages of evolution and transformation. But does it feel like you when you look back at the pictures and talk about it, or do you feel like you're kind of almost telling a story about somebody else? No, it feels like me. And even though I'm, I'm such a different person. You know, I still have, you know, I still have, you know, character flaws that I've had for my entire life. You know, I feel like those things always just kind of remind me of like, oh, shit, you know, this used to be so much worse 10 years ago uh, and that kind of thing. But it's, um, yeah, man, you know, it's, you know, I'm just like you, I think, with the, with the evolution thing. Like, I think back to five years ago and man, I was different. You know, even even a year ago, I mean, the evolution sometimes and the growth feels like week by week, I'm a different person. As long as I, you know, keep trying to to make that growth, and make make changes in my life, and and try to be a better person. Well, you you know, you've made such an amazing transformation. You know, you're you're built like a brick shit house. When you see the pictures of like before and after you're in phenomenal shape now but did you find when you do uh, crossfit and i think i read somewhere you said it was like another kind of awakening you know that was the sport for you but crossfit's got a lot of like you know isometric holds and a lot of like walking on your hands and a lot of gymnastics and that sort of thing did you find you had any issues with like your drink and drugs history did it was it diff more difficult to learn that kind of skills or, you know, was it just a case that every, you just felt like normal compared to other people? How did you sort of compare to other guys um, competing, you know, like, like starting at the same kind of time as you? 
Yeah, no, the crust was definitely, yeah, definitely one point, man. That was the thing I was most into. I got really hooked on CrossFit. What's really cool about CrossFit is they just have so many different ways to challenge yourself. And there's just so many ways to continue um, evolving in your fitness. You know, there's tons of different gymnastics things, like you mentioned, and walk on your hands and handstand push-ups. And, and then you get into, like, powerlifting and then, you know, endurance workouts. And there's just so many things and so many different combinations. That it's just really endless. So I think that was one of the things that really got me hooked on it was, you know, I definitely brought out that competitive uh, part of me. And, you know, as an adult, you know, it's, it's hard to really get into, like, real organized sports so that you know that really i mean they consider it a sport and, and it was for me it's something that i could compete in and uh yeah so it really just you know gave me a lot of motivation you know it's just to, to keep getting better keep getting stronger and and just keep crushing it so how do you get i'm really hating myself for this but how do you get your highs now you know like how do you keep changing and evolving and you know what's your motivation to get out of bed now you know that you've you've got the business you've made the transformation what drives you you what motivates you to just keep going and is it just building the, the successful business or is it the feeling of wanting to give it back to other guys who are like you or you know like what what drives you each morning to, to keep going and building this brand, the following and helping so many people? All of the above, Ian. <laughs> All of the above. So it's definitely a combination of things. It's you know, the idea, and I, I speak about this on my Instagram sometimes, and I've talked about this in other podcasts, but it's, it's the idea of that we're all going to die, man. You know, that's one of my biggest motivators. And it's like, fuck, you know, when you really internalize that, I mean, it's, you know, when you're a little, I mean, I'm still a young guy, you know, I'm 33, but you know, when you're, you know, in your teens, your twenties, it's, you know, you know that you're going to, but it, I don't feel like it really, really sets in, you know, until you start to get a little bit older. And, you know, that is one of the things that just drives the hell out of me just to make this the best life possible, you know, because like, we don't know, we don't know if we're coming back and we don't know what that looks like. We don't, it's just so unknown. So that is probably my biggest motivator, you know, and just knowing how fast it goes by, right? Every year you get older, it goes by that much quicker. And it's, it's, it's mind blowing really. So that, that thing, it's, it's crazy, right? <laughs> it's just, it's scary, yeah, isn't it? Just how fast a year can go. Like, I mean, so if you, if you thought about it now, you know, like, have you had any slip-ups since then? Have you always kind of stayed on the straight and narrow? Like, is, can you ch- notice problem periods or are you now so sort of set in your current lifestyle that you know you're not going to go down that road? You know, is it always a struggle for people like who are dealing with addictions? The first few years were challenging. I didn't, I didn't have any slip-ups, so I was definitely a very blessed and fortunate guy who got sober the first time and, and hasn't gone back. Um, but hey, man, in that first couple of years, there were times where I wanted to throw it all away. There were definitely times where I was depressed and I didn't want to freaking 
go to meetings anymore. I didn't want to fucking do this shit. And, you know, there are times I had pills, pills in my possession. And I remember freaking like hiding them in my room and just like thinking about them, you know, for like a week. And, you know, that's, that's that obsessive mind, you know, and I, you know, there's a part of me that really wanted to get high and try to numb out the pain that I was feeling. But, you know, I'd say, yeah, maybe it was like 49% wanted to get high, but that 51% wanted to stay sober. And I was able to make it through some of those tougher times in those earlier years. You know, as time has gone on, you know, it's, you know, I'm not cured by any means. So it's always important for me to remember that and, and remember that I need to keep, you know, doing what I can to help other people and um, to, to maintain my own sobriety. And, you know, for the past, I don't know, eight years, you know, I can honestly tell you, Ian, that I, I have not had a bad day because just at like around that five-year mark, I just had a major perspective swing where, you know, I just didn't look at my life like that anymore. You know, there are certainly some some bad moments that can take place in a, in a day. And, you know, I've had some tough times where I lost a good friend of mine and, uh, you know, had my diagnosis, you know, some years ago. And there were never bad days because I just look at life in, a, in just a, in a wider angle these days. And it's like, man, my life is so good, even though this, you know, bad thing is happening to me right now like it doesn't negate all of the blessings in my life so you know it's i don't want to say that i've been coasting for for years now but it's gotten a lot easier to live you know i still have times where i feel a little depressed or feel lonely or feel like i'm a fucking piece of shit sometimes you know that stuff still creeps in man it's that's stuff that i don't think is ever fully going to go away but I'm able to deal with it today. I, I know that it's just my ego and my pride just chattering away. And I've just learned to sidestep the ego, you know, and uh, sidestep some of that negative thinking and just, you know, keep pushing forward, man. So I love it because you very rarely in these kind of stories hear what it was initially like, you know, the the real struggles you kind of hear the kind of yep he made the, he wanted to make the change he made the change it's i think it's helpful for guys to kind of see that you know there are struggles and you can keep going and there will be temptations it's never going to be just a simple road to getting fixed yeah. i mean were there, were there mental strategies that you did at this point you know when you're making the changes even now did you find things like journaling gratitude diaries meditation or was it just your inner strength that you just had to keep saying no when you felt that demon on your back? Uh, I think one of the biggest things is talking to people in my life about what, what I'm feeling and what's going on. Uh, I think too many people don't talk about what they're feeling, whether it be they're ashamed or they feel like you know, they're going to you know, sound stupid or sound like a wuss or, or whatever the reason may be. Too many people hold that stuff in. And I've just learned early on that I, I can't I can't afford to do that, right? I'm just, just not someone that can afford to bottle up everything inside because eventually I'm just going to freaking lose it and uh, make a mess of my life. So I've just learned over the years to, you know, talk about what's going on, you know, open up to whether it be my mom or, 
you know, I, I still have a sponsor, you know, I have people in my life that are sober that I can call and talk to and, and they understand, you know, so I think that is, that is the biggest tool, you know, amongst, you know, some prayer and some meditation, some spiritual reading and, and things like that and, and, uh, and helping other people. That's probably, that's probably the most useful thing that I can possibly do for myself. Uh, is to reach out and help other people. So nowadays, when I'm when I'm feeling like crap, yeah, I still might talk about what's going on to somebody, but it doesn't really have the power. What what, what really takes away some of my anxiety and and makes me feel useful and, and whole is is helping someone else, like talking to one of the guys that I sponsor and and helping them with something that they're going through, and and forgetting about myself. You know, that's the key for me is. Is getting out of myself because I'm I'm the problem, like you know what I mean. Like the the problem lies between my two ears, and so I need to get out of my own head as much as I can and, and help others. No, it's awesome that you found these sort of coping strategies, and you know they work for you, and that you can help other people with it. But you know, what would you say to somebody listening who says, "Well, you've just switched one addiction for another"? Do you think? People who are addicted always need something to be addicted to, and it's better to put something like a more wholesome hobby in place or like a transformation or a focus on their own self-improvement. You know, are you one of these people that sort of follows that? You switch one addiction for another? You switch a negative to a positive? Because I always think I'm, go- I'm just changing obsessions a bit. I'm taking a negative maybe when I was jealous of an ex to getting with somebody else now to focusing on my pod, creating a podcast or, you know I mean? It's like, do you look at it from that point of view or do you just see yourself as that was an addiction, but that's in my past. I just need to keep avoiding falling back into that. Yeah. I remember one of the first, I mean, and also I, I find that when people say that most of the time it, it just sounds negative when I get that kind of comment, like, oh, you're just mm. replacing addictions. It's like, fuck yeah, I'm replacing addictions. I remember one of the first, I forget, I did some video, I think like a little documentary and it was published on something, something big where I got a lot of views on YouTube or something. And yeah, there was, you know, those, those were the comments. Oh, he just, this guy just fucking replaced addiction. It's like, dude, why would you even say that? Like what, what would make you even think that was a, a good thing to say? Right. Cause it's like, yeah, man. Yeah, I went from, you know, smoking crack and taking pills and freaking wanting to die to, yeah, maybe I'm addicted to fitness, man, and I'm hooked on fucking bettering myself and, and feeling good. Like, what what is the issue with that, right? I mean, yeah, can you take that to a negative place and overdo it? Of course you can, you know. Um, have mm. I done that at times? Yeah, I probably have. But it is far better. <laughs> like, I, I am not a... I am not a nuisance, you know. I'm not, I'm not bringing negative things to society anymore. You know, I'm doing something positive for this world. So, yeah, man, I've, I've heard that one over the years so many times, and that's just silly to me that people even think of, think of saying that out loud. To be honest, uh, it, it it always drives me crazy of like how they've got to have a comment. There's got to be somebody that's got to be negative. Yeah. You know, it's like. Yeah, I mean, you might switch, you might go to the gym a lot more, like have that 
obsession with the gym, but that's better than maybe the way that you were before. And it's you see that on like YouTube comments, Facebook comments, like social media is a nightmare for people to try and make the change because nobody wants you to change. Everybody's comfortable. Nobody wants you to step out and change because it means they've got to start thinking about themselves. And it it's really difficult to kind of step away from the herd to make that change. But, you know, it, it's amazing what you've done. So, I mean, you've now created the functional method you know, you, you started your business, you're helping people out. Where did that kind of motivation come from? You know, once you started, was it just you looked at being a personal trainer and thought, this is a career for me, and you create the business? Or had, did you always want to do this when you were younger? It was definitely a long time coming. When I, when I say that, probably the past five years. So I remember having a, a talk with a, with a good friend of mine from uh, – over there in Australia named Dave Nixon and we were, we were talking some years ago and he was like, yeah, man, you know, a lot of people that have fallen like you, you know, they have, they sell workout programs. Have you ever thought about doing that? And I remember at the time saying, ah, oh, like, I'm just not ready to do that. And, um, I can, I can overwhelm myself when I feel like I have some big task in front of me. I can very easily overthink and, and ultimately kind of paralyze myself and put myself in a place where I end up not taking any action, you know, because it's not perfect. It's not the perfect scenario. And I lived in that space, I don't know, for about a year, year and a half where uh, I wanted to do it. And I was like, yeah, I really need to do this. Like it's a way to make money and, you know, capitalize. You know, I had other people around me as well, like some more business marketing guys and friends that were like, dude, you got to capitalize on your following. You know, you could, you know, you're sitting on a gold mine and that, that didn't, that just didn't interest me. I wasn't like totally in it for the money kind of thing. I was just kind of into building, building the following and building, you know, what would eventually be the brand. And it wasn't until probably two years ago that I was like, ah, oh, man, I got to just do something. I got to just put something out there and see how, see how it does. And that's what I did. I put out my first program, which is called the New Age of Performance, it's just kind of a dumbbell bodyweight program. It's just, you know, kind of basic, but, uh, you know, really, you know, good program. And uh, it did really well. So I was like, ah, oh, man, this is, this is cool. This could, this could turn into something. And, you know, during this time, I, I was training so much. I mean, over the years, like the Instagram videos and, and stuff like that, I mean, there's definitely a time where I wanted just to impress and, and show people how fit I really was. And, it's doing a lot of crazy shit. And I still do some crazy shit, but, um, you know, I was finding that I was, I was burnt out all the time. I was constantly injured, you know, joint pain. I mean, just really kind of, kind of unhappy with how I felt a lot of those, you know, again, run down and feeling like crap. So I remember talking to a buddy of mine. I know this is a long, long winded answer, so forgive me, but I was, uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine. I was like, Hey man, like, when was the time where you started to feel like you weren't recovering as much and slowing down? He's like, ah, probably around 30, 31. And, you know, I was 30 at the time. And I was like, yeah, man, I, I'm feeling kind of feeling burnt. And like, I need to make a change because my body just can't take this kind of, this kind of volume and intensity. You know, I'm going to be freaking crippled when I'm 40. So that inspired me to, you know, I love so many things in fitness. I love conventional bodybuilding. I love, calisthenics gymnastics i love kettlebell work i love so many different things and i was like i got to create something that it allows me to do all the things that i love 
you know, and how can I do that without overdoing it or having it be too much? And so I just started kind of putting things together and figuring out a formula, you know, and how to structure uh, micro cycles, right? So one week of training where I would be able to do all the things I like to do and not be too beaten up. And so that's what I did. I just created the functional method, you know, with that kind of mentality behind it of creating a program that would, you know, allow you to hit all different facets of fitness and be really functional, build strength, build muscle, burn fat, and not be beating yourself into the ground week in, week out. So, you know, the functional method was born and, you know, I have uh, 1.0 out, 2.0 and 3.0 that I just released on January 1st and it's killing it, man. It's, it's just been such a cool thing. I mean, obviously starting a business and building a business has been really exciting and have it be successful and, and, uh, and also, man, the, just the feedback has been crazy, man. Just the amount of the, the results people are getting from, from this, it's just been awesome. So, uh, it's, it's just been an awesome journey. I really hope it's just the beginning. You know, I'm already brewing up you know, my next program. Hopefully we're launching at the end of the year or in the fall and, you know, hopefully, you know, keep this thing going. I love it. I mean, you can hear that passion, you know, and, I think this is what you were designed for because when I was watching the videos, you know, you were just ripping deadlifts off the floor and then all of a sudden you're back flipping and you, you know, the next second you were like, I think I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's the bodybuilding.com video of like the, the one take oh, yeah. work, uh, workout and you're just watching it going yeah. like you were just balancing on the weights one minute, then uh, like power lifting that was bodybuilding. It was just kind of like, holy shit, this guy's good. Like, And then you learn more about your history and you're like, this is amazing. You know, it's, and do you think, I know it's hard to generalize, but do you think anybody that's struggling just now with like drinking drugs addictions to an extent can make this change? I know you've got to want it for yourself, but is it possible, do you think, for every guy to a certain level to be able to just say, no, I won't make this change. Maybe not to become as, you know, sort of as rounded as you've become, but can can they make the change without help? Or would you advise everybody to get help? I think there are some people out there that can, that can do this, you know, on their own. I, I don't think there are too many, though, i got to be honest with you, Ian. I think there are very few that can just, you know, through willpower alone just – you know, will change into their lives. You know, it's definitely possible. Um, and I'm, I'm referring to, you know, addicts and alcoholics. Um, you really need help. You know, there's no way that I would be where I'm at today if I didn't get, you know, go to rehab, get into a 12-step program, and then continue to go to that program and reach out to people, call people all the time when I needed help, when I'm struggling with something. Um you know, putting spirituality into my life, you know, putting fitness into my life. If I didn't have all these things, I, I don't, I'm pretty certain I would have made it. So it, it is important to kind of smash the idea that you can do this on your own and just let go, you know, whatever, you know, pro 
so what would you give what would your advice be to guys listening you know because i know we've come up we're coming up to our time limit in fact we're almost two hours over <laughs> um what, what would you say to people listening you know like what would be your definition of a good man of a masculine man what would you give as a the key characteristics of somebody as a good a good role model to be like a, 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 a good man yeah no it's a uh... That's a loaded question for sure. I, uh, you know, I know for myself, man, I, I just strive to be, you know, as loving as I possibly can. You know, it's definitely something that I've struggled with, you know, my entire life is, you know, I'm not, you know, the most loving individual to all people, which I'm sure probably a lot of people aren't, but, you know, I, I definitely strive to be, you know, compassionate towards, towards all people and, and pass as little judgment as I can, although I, I fall short often, you know, all the time with that, you know, and, uh, you know, try to make a positive impact on the world, man, you know, um, and use, use your gifts, you know, whatever those things may be to, to impact others and, you know, carry a message that, uh, you know, we can, you know, with the help of our friends and family that we can continue to, support each other and get better day in and day out with all the with all the bullshit celebrities and role models that you see these uh, up nowadays you're the kind of guy that i want people to actually see and know that you know transformation is possible you know what what would you want them to somebody just now who's struggling with drink or drugs or is maybe going down a path that they really want to stop you know what challenges would you set them or ways to fix it, you know, and what kind of time frame should they be working from? You know, is it like what are the red flags they should be looking for? How do you know when it becomes a problem and when to seek help? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to define that for any specific person. I feel like everyone is kind of different, and I, I don't know. I don't want to necessarily just give a blanket statement. You know what? what is problemsome and what isn't per se, you know, but if you, you know, if you were at a point in your life where, you know, you're drinking every day and it is affecting, you know, your career, your relationships and, and so on and so forth in a negative way. And, you know, you're having a hard time not drinking on a daily basis, you know, it might be time to, you know, reach out for some help. You know, it might not, might not mean that, you're an alcoholic, you know, I, I don't know, but, um, again, if it's affecting your life in a negative way, uh, and it's something you don't feel like you have a ton of control over, uh, it's important to, to reach out, you know, whether it be to a friend or a family member and, uh, and, and ask for help and let, let someone know that you're struggling. Well, if you've got a bit of time, let's throw in a quick, um, something, cause I love to get to know the guest and it, you know, past these kind of, stock answers you know like the you know when you when you see somebody who's got a book out you could change the name at the top and they give the same interview over and over again but i love getting into that and finding out what makes them tick the life hacks that you know sort of is the that makes them them sure. so if i throw out some prompts if you just come back with what comes into your mind you know because that's usually the truth if <laughs> you know what i mean like um so what was your, for example, what's your favorite podcast? What do you like to listen to? Joe Rogan. 
Any particular interviews that kind of stand out for you? Um, I just watched um, the Travis Barker one, which I thought was was pretty intense, man. I mean, the dude really has lived a pretty incredible life and been through some really tough stuff, and he just seemed like a really chill guy. And I just, I just enjoy the way Joe interviews people, and um, you know, I always get something out of his podcast. Was is he the the Blink One Eighty Two guy? Yeah, yeah, he's the drummer for Blink One Eighty Two. Did um, uh, he's quite a he's quite a character. I remember watching an interview where the doctor, like the medic on site, was telling him off to stop super gluing his thumbs because when he was drumming, he was actually ripping his hands open and just super gluing them back up. And oh, is that right? It, it was just that kind of you could see like that level of passion in him, but. It was like that kind of nobody's stopping me doing it. I'm 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 fixing it myself kind of thing, you know. So, what's your best purchase under a hundred dollars? You know, something that's changed your life. Is there something that kind of pops out? That's funny. The, the, first, the first thing I thought of to be honest with you was a uh, back scratcher that I got from Pier One um, for like two ninety nine, <laughs> like ten years ago. That's <laughs> uh, so I, I can't I can't reach my back usually because I'm just kind of just a little too bulky and not mobile. So that back scratcher, man, is fucking heaven. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, it's like of all the things I was expecting you to say, that is certainly not one of them. Like. <laughs> so, if you had a guilty pleasure that you'd admit to, you know, is there a particular song that you cringe if anybody's seen it, but you you can't help but rock out to? Is there a, like, you know, do you like knitting or something? You know, what would you be, not ashamed, but what would you hate your friends to find out about you? Or are you quite open about it? Yeah, you know, I don't really have any. You know, I don't have any where I'm like, oh, shit, I got to hide this. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, the, the first song that popped in my head was uh, Walking in Memphis. But even even that, you know, it's not it's not like an embarrassing song. It's really, you know, I, I got a I got a T Swift song on my on my playlist. It's not my favorite song, but you know, a little T Swift every now and then will kind of you know get you grooving a little bit. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to. It doesn't affect me to to talk about it though. <laughs> <laughs> so this is one of my favorite questions now. You're sitting at a dinner table. You've got your awesome um, pap with you as well. And you've got five empty seats. And you've got to pick people. They can be real or fake. They can be fictional or real. They can be personal to you or they can be like famous celebrities. Who do you invite? This is your dream dinner party. Who would you go for? Yeah, that's a that's an awesome question, man. Uh I'd, I'd throw Joe Rogan in there. Uh, he's definitely someone that would be cool to, to sit down with and, and talk to. So that would be number one. Number two would be David Gilmore from Pink Floyd. He's a guitar player and vocalist from Pink Floyd. It's, my it's a good mix. Yeah, it's my, my favorite band of all time right there. I'd love to just sit with that guy, man. He's such a fucking genius and brilliant mind and musician. Um, uh my friend Derek Haviland, <laughs> whom I just saw the other day, he's just one of the funniest people I know. It's just always a pleasure hanging with them, man. I was just, I always fucking laugh like a little fucking schoolgirl when I'm around him. Um, 
that's three. You know, I'd say, I'd say I bring my mom around, you know. Love my mom, a bit of a mama's boy. You know, bring her to dinner, man. Always love spending time with her. And and my brother. You know, I want my I want my closest family. So my closest family, my mom and my bro, I want them to be there, you know, with, you know, those two celebs, you know, so they, they would get to experience it with me. That's awesome. So basically you're taking Joe Rogan round for dinner. Yeah, pretty, pretty <laughs> much. Joe Rogan and Pink Floyd. <laughs> when I, I've had some absolute crackers. I'm trying to think who it was, but somebody started off with Jesus Christ. And I went, okay, you know, because I'm spiritual. And I went, yeah, it's fine. And then they said, I'm trying to think who it was. Was it Abraham Lincoln or somebody? It was like somebody, I don't think it was somebody as well known as Abraham Lincoln. And the next one was Genghis Khan. And I, I could I could see them going through their head of like pulling off, you know, their kind of interests. And it was just that moment of, Genghis Khan and Jesus. That's yeah, that'd be <laughs> it was just, you know it's that kind of you. you uh, but I also I love like how some people kind of like were talking like it was all there like like some family members had passed away or some people were all celebrities or like presidents. You could see that it it's a delve into somebody's psyche about it, you know? Um, so if you had to sum up your life in a movie or a song title, is there anything that kind of jumps to mind? This was about your sex life originally, but yeah. I thought I'd better take that out. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably say Rise Above would be the title. Oh, nice choice. I like it. Because some people, originally it was kind of a cheeky question and you know, you get the kind of stock, oh, gone in 60 seconds or whatever, you know, just like, I thought, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right for me. <laughs> it's like, you maybe don't want to promote that too much, like. Yeah. So has there been a, a book that kind of sums up your life, you know, like, is there something that really kind of helped you that you've read over and over or has maybe helped you in a dark time that you've just thought, yeah, that's it for me. For me, I love the Harry Potter series. I don't know, like, but, like, I, I, I kind of grew up, but that got me back into reading, for example. You know, what, what books would you love to, or gift, as Tim Ferriss would say? Yeah, I, I definitely am not much of a reader. I've always been, you know, I'm someone that when I pick up a book, I fall asleep in about three minutes from reading it, even if I like it for the most part. So, but there was always, there's a book that, the only book that I've read multiple times in my life that I can remember is a book called The Spiritual Warrior. And I can't even recall exactly what the book was about, but I just always remember at different stages in my life. And this was probably in my teenage years, reading that book and just always feeling this, just some connection to that book. Like I always finished that book and felt like I had grown in some way. Um, so yeah, it would be that book. So if you had to give an unusual fact about yourself, is there anything that you tell people, you know, that makes them go, whoa? Like, is there, have you got a secret talent? Have you got, like, an unusual way of, like, turning cherry pips into animals or, you know, I mean, like, is there something that you can do that people are really shocked by or an interest that people are kind of really surprised by? No, I don't. I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any hidden talents. Although I will say a fun, a fun fact about me, and I'm going to include my older brother in this. So sorry, Joe. 
But uh, when we were young kids, I don't know if you remember the the hip hop group Crisscross. Oh yeah, yeah, right, a little jump, jump. So we, me and my brother, <laughs> and I was just thinking about this the other day. Actually, that's so funny you brought up this question because I actually kind of wanted to share it with somebody. Uh, me and my brother used to put our jeans on backwards, and we used to fucking blast this song, uh, the song "Jump," and we used to just jump around on my mom's bed when we were, you know, freaking six, seven, eight years old. Uh, so yeah, that's that's all I got for you. I've now got that song stuck in my head. It's just going back. Oh, I'll be doing that all night long. Like, well. I cannot thank you enough for this. I mean, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. You've I knew you were going to be a fantastic guest, but you blow me away with, you know, how open and honest and deep you've gone. But what do you want people listening to take from this? You know, apart from obviously checking out your staff and following you, like what would you take? What would you give as a go home message to the guys listening? Yeah, no, I feel like that's a definitely a, a multi-layered um, answer for me. You know, I definitely, you know, selfishly, I definitely do this for me. This is this is therapeutic for me, and I know I've shared that throughout the podcast that that helping others is is very therapeutic for me, and it is imperative that I that I continue to do this kind of stuff to uh, maintain my own sobriety and just continue to to, to live a good life, man. So. Um, you know, it's definitely, um, I think, important to, you know, if you're somebody out there that has, you know, gone through something or whatever, dealing with something, to, to be open about it. You know, it may not have to be, you know, it's like a large platform like myself, but, you know, it could be to some friends or something. And, you know, you know, hopefully I inspire someone to 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 reach out, man, and, um, you know, share, share their message to, to try and help others. You know, I feel like if we were all just in a constant state of trying to, you know, carry a positive message of hope and and support that uh, obviously the world would just be, you know, a much better place. And, you know, and that uh, I think anything's possible. You know, I don't think that I was the worst drug addict that there ever was or anything like that. But, you know, I'm someone who, you know, was in some really dark times, man. Like I just wanted it to end and to have gone from that place to 13 years later being the man I am today and, and living the life that I'm living, man, it is, it is just, it is surreal. It is surreal. And it's just such a gift, you know, and I hope that my story, man, you know, touches somebody or touches a, a family member of somebody who's, who's struggling with some of the same stuff that I struggle with and maybe give them some hope. You know, I had someone reach out to me the other day that said, Hey, uh, uh, a friend of mine's son is really struggling and I showed her your your story on YouTube and it gave her a ton of hope for her son and uh, like even that kind of like chokes me up a little bit man because it's like you know it's just my story like if it could have effect on one person like that um, that's going through such a hard time it is uh it's just it's such a gift man that I'm able to impact people that in that way so you know, hopefully someone just got something out of this today and, you know, it's got a little bit more inspiration, a little more motivation to get out there and just, you know, attack their life, you know, and realize that, you know, we, we might only get one shot at this thing, you know, and to really just make it the best life that you can. I, I, mean, I, I love that. You know, it's 
you're using your experiences to give people hope and you know it's even if it helps somebody understand somebody who's going through it you know i think it's amazing but to be able to actually give somebody who's going through it who's maybe got no one else to understand it to talk to the ability to, to you know to not judge them and to understand them and to to understand like the cravings and stuff like that you know it's an amazing thing and i really think you should look at like help like building a like a product or working with guys who are in these kind of environments because i think you could transform lives not that you're not already doing it but you know it's just you're you've got a way of sort of connecting with people and i think you're you're really gonna go some uh, places and you know i would just i think you should be a lot well more known You've you've had an amazing transformation, and I don't think some of the other interviews I've seen of you do you justice, you know, because it doesn't really explore your story enough, and it doesn't show the amazing transformation to go from being suicidal to like built like a brickshire house, and you know, building a business and rekindling your relationship with your your family, you know, and overcoming something that can destroy families. It, yeah. You've got an amazing story there. You should be deeply proud of what you've done. Um, the, you're the you're the kind of person that I would. That's why I built the site because these are the kind of people that I want to showcase to guys that there is more in life than just sitting having a few beers and sitting watching TV. You can be what you want to be. It's difficult, and you've got to step out of your comfort zone. But it's there is that capability and. This is why I speak to guys like yourself. It's to motivate myself. And if it changes me, that's brilliant. But if it can change anybody else, it blows me away that other people listen. You know, and I'm just there to kind of get lit, to record it and put it out to guys, you know. Um, so how can guys keep in touch with you? You know, how can they get in touch and get your buy your products, follow you on social media, maybe drop you an email, you know, and ask you a question or something? Yeah, you can you can reach me in a couple different ways. So you can email me at J, so J A Y at J T M Fit dot com. You can also find me on Instagram at J T M underscore fit. And you can also check out my programs at www.thefunctionalmethod.com. Well, I cannot thank you enough for this. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I can wish you nothing but success for the future. You know, you're going places and just keep inspiring and just keep doing what you're doing. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life.